Chapter 22 of The Way of Perfection by St. Teresa of Avila. This is a Discerning Hearts recording read by Chris McGregor. The Way of Perfection by St. Teresa of Avila, translated and edited by E. Allison Pierce. You must know, daughters, that whether or no you are practicing mental prayer has nothing to do with keeping the lips closed. If, while I'm speaking with God, I have a clear realization and full consciousness that I'm doing so, and if this is more real to me than the words I'm uttering, then I am combining mental and vocal prayer. When people tell you that you are speaking with God by reciting the Paternoster and thinking of worldly things, well, words fail me. When you speak as it is right for you to do with so great a Lord, it is well that you should think of who it is that you are addressing and what you yourself are, if only that you may speak to him with proper respect. How can you address a king with the deference due to him? Or how can you know what ceremonies have to be used when speaking to a grande unless you are clearly conscious of the nature of his position and of yours? It is because of this, and because it is the custom to do so, that you must behave respectfully to him and must learn what the custom is and not be careless about such things, or you will be dismissed as a simpleton and obtain none of the things you desire. And furthermore, unless you are quite conversant with it, you must get all necessary information and have what you are going to say written down for you. It once happened to me, when I was not accustomed to addressing aristocrats, that I had to go on a matter of urgent business to see a lady who had to be addressed as your ladyship. I was shown that word in writing, but I am stupid, and I had never used such a term before. So when I arrived, I got it wrong. So I decided to tell her about it, and she laughed heartily and told me to be good enough to use the ordinary form of polite address, which I did. How is it, my lord, how is it, my emperor, that thou canst suffer this, prince of all creation? For thou, my king, art a king without end, and thine is no borrowed kingdom, but thine own, and it will never pass away. When the creed says, whose kingdom shall have no end, the phrase nearly makes me feel particularly happy. I praise thee, Lord, bless thee, and all things praise thee forever, for thy kingdom will endure forever. Do thou never allow it to be thought right, Lord, for those who praise thee and come to speak with thee to do so with their lips alone. What do you mean, Christians, when you say that mental prayer is unnecessary? Do you understand what you are saying? I really do not think you can. And so you want us all to go wrong. You cannot know what mental prayer is or how vocal prayer should be said or what is meant by contemplation. For if you knew this, you would not condemn on the one hand what you praise on the other. Whenever I remember to do so, I shall always speak of mental and vocal prayer together, daughters, so that you may not be alarmed. I know what such fears lead to. For I have suffered a certain number of trials in this respect, and so I should be sorry if anyone were to unsettle you, for it is very bad for you to have misgivings while you are walking on this path. 
It is important that you should realize you are making progress. For if a traveler is told that he has taken the wrong road and has lost his way, he begins to wander to and fro, and the constant search for the right road tires him, wastes his time, and delays his arrival. Who can say that it is wrong if, before we begin reciting the hours or the rosary, we think of whom we are going to address, and who we are that are addressing him, so that we may do so in the way we should? I assure you, sisters, that if you gave all due attention to a consideration of these two points before beginning the vocal prayers which you are about to say, you would be engaging in mental prayer for a very long time. For we cannot approach a prince and address him in the same careless way that we should adopt in speaking to a peasant or to some poor woman like ourselves, whom we may address however we like. The reason we sometimes do so is to be found in the humility of this king, who, unskilled though I am in speaking with him, does not refuse to hear me or forbid me to approach him or command his guards to throw me out. For the angels in his presence know well that their king is such that he prefers the unskilled language of a humble peasant boy, knowing that he would say more if he had more to say. The speech of the wisest and most learned men, however elegant may be their arguments, if these are not accompanied by humility. But we must not be unmannerly because he is good, if only to show our gratitude to him for enduring our foul odor and allowing such a one as myself to come near him. It is well that we should try to realize his purity and his nature. It is true that we recognize this at once when we approach him, just as we do when we visit the lords of the earth. Once we are told about their fathers' names and their incomes and dignities, there is no more for us to know about them. For on earth one makes account of persons and honors them, not because of their merits, but because of their possessions. O oh, miserable world! Give hearty praise to God, daughters, that you have left so wretched a place where people are honored not for their own selves, but for what they get from their tenants and vassals. If these fail them, they have no honor left. It is a curious thing, and when you go out to recreation together, you should laugh about it, for it is a good way of spending your time to reflect how blindly people in the world spend theirs. O oh, thou our emperor! Supreme power, supreme goodness, wisdom itself without beginning, without end, and without measure in thy works. Infinite are these, and incomprehensible, a fathomless ocean of wonders, O beauty containing within thyself all beauties, O very strength. God help me, would that I could command all the eloquence of mortals and all wisdom, so as to understand as far as possible here below that to know nothing is everything, and thus to describe some of the many things on which we may meditate in order to learn something of the nature of our Lord and good. When you approach God, then, try to think and realize whom you are about to address and continue to do so while you are addressing him. If we had a thousand lives, we should never fully understand how this Lord merits that we behave toward him, before whom even the angels tremble. He orders 
all things, and he can do all things. With him, to will is to perform. It will be right then, daughters, for us to endeavor to rejoice in these wondrous qualities of our spouse and to know whom we have wedded and what our lives should be. Why, God save us, when a woman in this world is about to marry, she knows beforehand whom she is to marry, what sort of person he is, and what property he possesses. Shall not we, then, who are already betrothed, think about our spouse before we are wedded to him, and he takes us home to be with him? If these thoughts are not forbidden to those who are betrothed to men on earth, how can we be forbidden to discover who this man is, who is his father, what is the country to which he will take me, what are the riches with which he promises to endow me, what is his rank, how can I best make him happy, what I can do that will give him pleasure, and how I can bring my rank into line with his. If a woman is happy in her marriage, it is just those things that she is advised to see about, even though her husband be a man of very low station. Shall less respect be paid to thee than my spouse than to men? If they think it unfitting to do thee honor, let them at least have thee thy brides, who are to spend their lives with thee. A woman is indeed fortunate in her life if her husband is so jealous that he will allow her to speak with no one but himself. It would be a pretty pass if she could not resolve to give him this pleasure, for it is reasonable enough that she should put up with this and not wish to converse with anyone else, since in him she has all that she can desire. To understand these truths, my daughters, is to practice mental prayer. If you wish to learn to understand, and at the same time to practice vocal prayer, well, and good. But do not, I beg you, address God while you are thinking of other things, for to do that is the result of not understanding what mental prayer is. I think I have made this clear. May the Lord grant us to learn how to put it into practice. Amen.